Where does creativity fit into compliance? In more places than you think. Problem solving, accountability, communication, and connection. They all take creativity. Join your hosts, Tom Fox and Ronnie Feldman on Creativity and Compliance, part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back again with Ronnie Feldman for another episode. And today we're going to entice, intrigue, and tantalize you with this incredible title that Ronnie had come up with, A Video Isn't a Video. So, Ronnie, with that tantalizing introduction, welcome. Oh, thank you. Well, so I was thinking about this because um, I have a fairly common discussion with most most every new inquiry that comes in, particularly for custom videos, where uh, a company is like, how much is a video? And from a creative standpoint, there, there's the answer is always, well, it depends, because we're not like uh, some high volume manufacturing house where we can crank out crappy videos about things that it costs, uh, you know, X amount per dollar. Cause usually the dollars follow the idea. Um, we always say, you know, a video isn't a video, like a house isn't a house. Like how much is a house? Well, is it a, in a good neighborhood? Does it have four bedrooms and four bathrooms? Does it have a pool in the backyard? You know what? So, um, what I thought we would do today is talk a little bit about, um, some of the different creative techniques and approaches for making entertaining educational videos that don't suck. (laughs) We've already covered the whole idea of that most ethics and compliance training videos are not great. Um, So anyway, with that as a backdrop, I thought I would take us through a couple of of techniques. Um, Any thoughts or questions before I dive in? So I think, Ronnie, one of the things that or one of the reasons, frankly, we even started this podcast was to really show how you can bring a level of creativity, new thought, new ideas, new cadences, new forums, and new delivery mechanisms to what was seen as a very staid world of compliance education and communication. And uh, uh, what you have uh, not only developed, but what you've been thinking about around videos, I think, can help a CCO type understand there are multiple forms of communication and there are multiple audiences within every company, you know, millennials, boomers, Xers, Zers, um, and probably a few more that I haven't uh, named. But really the techniques and strategies I think you uh, are going to share with us speak to a wide variety of, of employees. So um, I guess I wanted to start with what, what, what do you suggest or see around scenario-based videos that might even be called live-action videos? Well, so the, I thought we'd start with talking about what I will just call scenario-based or narrative form videos because these are the most common that we've traditionally seen uh, in the corporate education space. And so these are the, the, the scenes that are supposed to feel real to life. They have a couple of actors. They're, they're in, a, in a real setting, in a real environment. Um, you know, if it's a corporate office, it's shot in a corporate office. Um, so these are the ones that we've seen. And traditionally in the ethics space, th- these have been r- really poorly written and produced, which is why, it, you know, we're going back a couple of years. But, um, you know, they, they've always been laughable. Employees would always make fun of, of these videos because they were really stilted and poorly. Uh, they didn't have any real basis in reality, but they were meant to. 
Um, and actually, I would say over the last five years, uh, a lot of the big training vendors have invested in production values. So they now look really nice. I would argue their writing isn't so great, so it feels false a little bit. But anyway, in terms of the, the format, these, these scenario-based videos are, are really common. I think they're a great way to show a slice of life, um, what's re- like a real environment with real people. Um, I find that there's the, the some of the pitfalls of that of of this is that one um, if you're in a big complex company that has multiple different types of people and multiple different types of environment it's really hard because you have to pick like we're shooting in an office today and if you have uh, people who aren't in an office it's not going to look right to them um, so there's some limitations in that since you're trying to show reality you have to pick one reality for that scene. Also, in terms of the type of people you cast, you know, we have a very diverse workforce. You only have a certain number of actors, so it's sometimes hard to show representation. Um, also, I would say that they're most the, probably the most expensive uh, video to create because you have to be on location with a camera and crew. And every time you move those camera and crew, it's, it costs more. And every time you need to have, if you want to have representation of your entire company, you need lots of different actors. Um, so this is a long way of saying that live scenario based narrative videos, which are still the most common have a lot of disadvantages because they're expensive. Um, and they're hard to do, really well oh and the other thing i'll just add is that typically it shows a slice of life and then it requires you to then outside of the video either in text or in commentary point out the the teaching that was in that video so you're showing something and then you have to talk about it um so i love making these kinds of videos but uh, i i tend to sort of push people in other directions just because i think they're more efficient and interesting ways to spend your money and get more content out of it. Ronnie, I was at an event yesterday and the, uh, one of the participants or attendees raised a point or a question. He said that, uh, he is a manager in his, his function and his employees are professionals, um, lawyers, you know, degreed people. And he finds that he has difficulty with three types of employees to get them to raise their hand and ask for help or speak up. One are those who are too timid. Uh, they um, don't really know. Uh, they're, they're afraid to look bad. Uh, second group uh, is the cowboys, what I call the cowboys, those who know everything. And uh, the third group sort of falls in the middle, uh, but they're really, uh, they're not timid, but they're followers. And they don't want to be leaders in terms of asking questions or asking for help. So they sort of follow the whatever uh, way the school of fish is going. And it struck me that, or at least I wanted to use that as an introduction, could character monologues maybe identify those types of people and then give a compliance professional or even a middle manager some ideas on how they might deal with those employees to get them to speak up? That, that's a perfect context. I love the way you're thinking about this, Tom, because – I love uh, what I I like to call a character monologue video as a creative device. And you just outlined um, a really great scenario for which that that might be a good application. Um, 
so, you know, character monologues as a camera on a, on a face. <laughs> in this case, we're talking about uh, more than likely an actor in this case who is representing um, a, a uh, personality or a character trait in your company. So you said the timid, the cowboy, and the follower. Um, a character monologue would be a great way to because it's a, it's an efficient way. You'll, it doesn't take a lot of sets and scenes. You can personify what a timid person might sound like. Right, short dialogue around uh, how, their point of view and why they feel the what they feel. And you can even you can even film that kind of thing on like um like a webcam. Um, so these don't have to have a lot of production value, but putting um, uh, a personality on camera is an interesting way to bring that character's uh, both positive negatives and flaws to life. So you can personify and show what timid looks like. You can show what a know-it-all looks like. You can show what a follower looks like. And that's a really great thing to teach on. Oh, and it, and it feels real too, because you're showing a real person on camera. Um, it, it, it tends to be a little bit more telling than showing, but if you think of it like a confession cam, you know, like we see on all the reality, reality TVs, it's essentially that. Um, and people are familiar with that. So big fan of the character monologue video. Ronnie, one of the areas that I have explored is what I will call talking heads. Although I will have to confess to you when I hear the word talking heads, Max headroom comes into my head so I think he's the ultimate talking head. No, but uh, for those who may not understand that reference, uh, you just have to Google it. The um, I've, I have a, a podcast called uh, Everything Compliance, which is for compliance professionals talking. But I wanted to see one of the things that I've really not been able to to get us to do in that podcast is everyone's very good at saying their opinions, but then kind of follow up and crosstalk. We really never mastered that. And I was wondering how would you approach utilizing a talking head? Do you do the max headroom one talking head approach? Do you believe multiple talking heads are appropriate or how do you look at that uh, particular form of communication? Well, yeah, I wanted to talk about the talking head video because again, it's another one of the most common videos that we see in corporate education and in the ethics space, particularly. So you, you know, you, you push out that a new code of conduct and then you get your CEO or your ethics officer to do this very scripted two minute video to talk about how important ethics is in the organization. And quite frankly, it's, it's not a, the most effective way to do it because most people just tune it out. I think it's an important function to show leadership providing um, backing and support. I don't think this mode of communication is great because it's, it's a monologue and it's usually very scripted and feels inauthentic. Um, so back to your point, the talking head video, we always say, you know, talk shows instead of talking heads. So in our last podcast, uh, we talked a little bit about an audio podcast and a talk show idea. I think taking some of those elements and um, making it into a dialogue and a dialogue is an interview show. Um, so instead of having one person talking to the camera, have an interviewer and an interviewee. Um, ask each other questions or have a debate or have a little discussion. You can get the same information out. It feels more natural. It's still fairly easy to produce. Um, and it, and it feels a little more authentic. What I've, uh, had some success in is pairing the, the, 
executive with a, a host personality, you know, who has some comedic or entertainment background. Cause then what you have is we, we being my company can handle the entertainment value of that discussion and allow the executive to just react and be natural and get their information out. So the pairing of entertainment and learning um, is quite natural in that effect. So long way of saying, I don't really care for the talking head video unless you've added that dialogue, um, you know, aspect to it. So one of the things that I've, uh, perhaps in a different context, let me just set it up because I've, I've thoroughly enjoy it. I'm fly United and I always watch the United safety videos. And the reason I watch them is they have incredible production values, but they utilize United employees to communicate one or two concepts around safety, uh, wearing your seatbelt, where the safety vest is, where the safety jacket is, pay attention to the flight attendants, pay attention to the signs of um, uh, and communications from the uh, uh, flight attendants. And the thing that intrigues me, though, is that by using uh, United employees, I think they invest the employees uh, even more in safety. And it would seem to me that that's probably a pretty prestigious thing in United to be on one of the safety videos. So I was wondering, have you explored using employees in E&C videos? And and if you haven't done that, how would you envision doing that going forward? Yeah, I have a a pretty strong opinion about this. Uh, uh, I love the idea of involving employees in videos because people like to see their peers. Um, and it's one of the, it's always, I have a bit of a peeve when people say, they call us and they say, Hey, uh, can you help us make one of those viral videos? And, which is actually probably a weird term now, uh, to say viral right now, <laughs> given, uh, we're recording this in the mix of a pandemic. Um, but, uh, but the whole term viral video, uh, you're like, well, it's, it's really hard to predict how to make a viral video, but one of the best chances you have to get a video that is uh, popular within your company is to involve your employees. However, uh, we've, we've probably all seen the bad ethics video that uh, has been made internally involving your employees and it has an embarrassment factor to it, which is that if you ask employees to act and they don't particularly do well or you don't have experience in making uh, good quality uh, videos, that it, it can have the opposite effect. You just, you do yourself a disservice and that they're laughing for the wrong reasons or, you know, um, now we, we have a guest, we haven't recorded this yet, but we have a guest coming up who has successfully made, um, some ethics videos using employees. So we'll save that deeper discussion for that conversation. We can talk to, um, that CCO about how he did that. Um, what I found to be the most successful way to involve employees is, to let them be themselves and to interact with a character or a personality. Um, we talked with BMO uh, earlier uh, in the season of podcasts about this, um, what we were calling then um, a BMO on the street series where we created a, a character that interviewed employees uh, as an, uh, as of kind of that, Uh, Billy on the street or man on the street style reporting where we would ask them about policies and we would say dumb things and they would say smart things. And that we found that to be a very successful way 
to allow employees to participate as the heroes of the piece um, while not having to act. And we could interject just enough personality and fun to it to carry the freight of those those videos. Um, since we've made that, we're working on several other similar programs where we're creating a unique character for an ethics office's brand and then having that character interact with employees in short interviews. So that's my uh, recommendation for um, you either have to give them – an employee, a simple tagline or something easy to say, because that's a nice way to involve them, or let them interact with with a character or personality. If you're going to actually make them act, you got to be just real careful about how you do that so that you, you're you doing it well. And you want to make them look good. You, you always want to make your people look good. So, Ronnie, um, it struck me in the, I don't know, 18, 24 months that I've known you, uh, and through this podcast series that you are at heart a storyteller and you use a variety of mediums that I do not use to tell stories, but nevertheless, they're still stories. So I was wondering what about storytelling videos? So, uh, I, I thank you for that. Um, you know, and then I, by the way, I listen to myself on these podcasts and I can't stand listening to myself. So thank you all out there for putting up with me. <laughs> it's, uh, it, I have a hard time listening to, to my own voice. Um, but uh, I love the idea of storytelling videos. Again, this is another example of a way to tell a, a piece of learning to deliver some messaging in the same way that these live action narrative videos that we started our podcast talking about, but in a much more inexpensive and efficient way of conveying that information. Um, I, I, as a full disclosure, I'm working on a series right now that will be coming out in a, about a month's time a storytelling series um, where we're going to be describing uh, essentially real stories from real companies about the ways employees have screwed up. Um, And uh, well, I'll tell you about, I'll save that for when it, when we launch it, we'll talk more specifically about that. But from think about, um, I'm sure that our listening audience has a wide variety of, of entertainment um, that they go to some examples of storytelling in, in, uh, um, on television, uh, there's a Comedy Central show called Drunk History, where they re uh, they retell real stories. In this particular uh, television show, they get the person drunk and then they try and retell the story drunk, which is why it's funny. But they actually are covering real historical facts. Um, there, there used to be a show called VH1 Behind the Music way back in the day, where they would have musicians musicians talk about their lives and how they rose to fame and how they ultimately crashed. And then they would reenact them. Um, there's a, a, a show that one of my clients turned me on to. It's an online um, animated series called tales from the trip. And it's, uh, it's essentially people telling stories about what, how they were doing drugs and then the dumb things that they did. But the point is it's a character telling a, a full story that has a beginning, middle, and end, has lots of color for details, is very factual. You can speak about all the nuances of what happened, and you're doing it through uh, either a character talking directly to camera or through audio with maybe some animation to it. So if you can't see the parallels, think about all the different ways that employees screw up. These are really interesting stories. In a scenario-based video, you're just seeing that slice of life, in a storytelling video, you're saying, 
here's what happened. Here's what they were thinking. Here's what else was going on. Here's the mitigating factors. Here's why it's wrong. And you're, you can do all that in three minutes or less. And you could probably produce 10 of those for the same cost that you could in shooting one scene that shows one piece of that story. Uh, so I don't know if I've done it justice, but I, I'm a big fan of this creative device because you can involve lots of people, tell a full, well-rounded story, get lots of details. It's a little more telling than showing. So I get that there's, from a learning design standpoint, there's that aspect, but I, I feel like it's a, it's a more interesting way to get more information out quickly. Well, Ronnie, I certainly hope that our audience now understands that a video isn't just a video. So uh, this has been a fascinating deep dive into a variety of strategies, techniques, and tactics that you've employed and will employ going forward. So I look forward to continuing the conversation. Yeah, well, and there's a lot more techniques that we ran out of time this time, so maybe we'll have to pick it up another time. But uh, yes, a video is not a video. There's a world of possibilities out there. Whatever you choose to do, just do it creatively. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Creativity and Compliance. If you enjoyed the episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.